Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Heavenly Father, we come again, Lord, with bowed heads and humbled hearts and contrite spirits. Thanking you once again, Lord, for another day not promised to us. Lord, I'm asking that you forgive us of our sins and our iniquities and our shortcomings and our transgressions and those things that place a veil between you and us. Lord, I'm grateful for this time for my brothers and sisters, Lord, that you gave us just to partake in your word, Lord, that we were able to, in spite of what the weather is, get together, Lord, for you said where there are two or more gathered in my name, there I am in the midst. And I pray, Lord, as they have arrived safely, that they return safely, Lord, because we know that your hands are on your people, Lord. And I pray for so many others, Lord, who couldn't make it tonight, that as we go after tonight's subject, Lord, I'm just praying that whoever might be dealing with this, whoever may be going through this, I pray, Lord, that their shackles be broken. I pray that your spirit falls from heaven, Lord, and that you bind the enemy, Lord, for all that he attempts to do. So, Lord, I just know in the name of Jesus that you bind every foul spirit, every demonic spirit, every spirit of error, every spirit of contention, every spirit of confusion, every spirit of jealousy, malice, hatred, every spirit of fear, doubt, and unbelief, every spirit that is anti-Christ, Lord, that is against you. In Jesus' name, I pray that you bind it, Lord, and you set the devil on on, on the run. And, Lord, I'm just hoping tonight that your spirit be with us. I pray that your spirit of teaching be upon us. I pray that no flesh gets glorified tonight. And I pray that you hear you, Lord, and not a man's heart. I pray that we go absent in this, that your spirit may come upon us. And Lord, for those who are out there struggling, that are going through so much, Lord, I pray, Lord, that you do everything that you say you will do. I pray that people find you, because in this time of darkness, We have nothing but you, Lord, that can take us through to everlasting life. And I pray that we not fall, Lord, to the cares of this life. I pray that the enemy doesn't come against us, Lord, in all his deception, but that we have the mind of Christ and that we wear the full armor, Lord. And every day we die out to self, Lord, that you might be born again, that you may come in real time, Lord, that your works might be done. Not that we've come, Lord, to talk about Jesus, but to eventually demonstrate Jesus Christ in 2018. Lord, for you are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. You are faithful, you are just, and you are true. And you are worthy of all praises. Lord, we pray that you do these things that we ask for, not for us, but for your glory and your honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Right. So tonight's study is going to be called The Spirit of Heaviness, Overcoming the Spirit of Heaviness. And, you know, like my brother um, Sam talked about today, that um, the Lord has been given a lot of revelation with the Spirit because, you know, we think that if I'm not oppressed or depressed or having funny feelings that, you know, something will go wrong, you know, or, or it's just... Well, it can't be a spirit of heaviness, but we're going to find that this spirit 
he deals in a lot of different ways. He comes around, and I think in many ways we should do a full study one day on familiar spirits because there are countless times that I've heard from other ministers that have had to battle this is that they were saying that, you know, their dad struggled with depression or he had an issue of despair or, you know, even suicidal thoughts that he was dealing with. And they realized that once their dad died that that spirit just loomed around and continued from generation to generation. And we've got to understand that Unless we know what this thing is, it can have a legal right to be there. Why, you know, and I'd hate to say this, but somebody way back when might have opened the door to sin, you know, and that spirit came in. How it might have come in could have been false religion. How could it have come in, you know, maybe idolatry and something. That's really irrelevant tonight. But the thing is, is that we are going to deal with this spirit. It is important that we know what we're against because when many people... In society today, you know, they'll have feelings and they go according to how they feel. But as we intend to expose tonight that this is a literal spirit. And I think that when people can see it along those lines, mm -hmm. then they get a clear perspective. It's not something that's doing this to me. It's someone that is causing this. So if we know that there is something that we're battling or we're dealing with, then we know that there is someone else who can handle everything that we have. Because this is why, in many cases, I've found that we've become very natural-minded in society today. When we get funny feelings, we go to the doctor. He'll give us some pills or he'll deal with things. And I'm not speaking against anyone that's done this. I'm just saying that our God can do it all. Okay? He is the great physician. The Bible says it, that there was nothing too hard for him, including depression, including heaviness, including anything that we might battle with. So I know firsthand that God can do these things. I've had revelations, I've had experiences, and I have had, you know, uh, people tell me their testimonies and what the Lord was able to free them from. But see, in order to believe this, we've got to first recognize that he is God. And we've got to recognize that his word is true. And no matter how far back we might go to dealing, to hearing stories we got to know these aren't stories. These were revelations of the Lord in that time. And guess what? He said, I am the Lord thy God. I change not. And he said that, you know, um, I am the same today, yesterday, and forever. So our God doesn't change. It's all about a part of our faith. What we believe, where do we place our Lord? In his rightful place as King of kings, Lord of lords? Or do we think that there are some things that God is, you know, he's, he's a part of religion, but... I'm not so sure he can handle this. But because there's a guy with 20 diplomas on the wall, you know, and, and he's studied for years and years, that I'm trusting in him and not God. So we've got to figure out where we are right now because everything that we're going to say, everything we're going to come forward with is the truth. And one thing we need to know is there is nothing too hard for God. Nothing too hard for God in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. So, you know, let's get into it. Let's go to, um, I want to start with Psalm 43. Psalm 43. It's so funny. I think when we get ready to go into certain things, I automatically know that whatever spirit you decide to expose, that spirit will come looking for you. You know, so it's almost like, yeah, I know why you're here. You know, that always seems to happen. But again, there was nothing too hard for God. Amen, that's right. All right. 
All right, so Psalm 43 and verse 1, he says, Judge me, O God, and plead my cause against an ungodly nation. O deliver me from the deceitful and just man, for thou art the God of my strength. Why doth thou cast me off? Why go I mourning uh, because of the oppression of the enemy? O send out the, thy light and thy truth. Let me let them lead me, let them bring me unto the, thy holy hill and to thy tabernacle. So as we understand here that, you know, um, I don't think this was written by David. I'm not sure. It might be one of his relatives. But he made clear here that, you know, God is his strength. And he says, why does thou cast me off? And then he says, why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? So another thing that we've got to recognize is no matter what we have gone through, the Bible makes clear that our Lord has gone through and has suffered more. When we, when we understand that Jesus Christ had endured every temptation that we had, yet without sin, then we know that there is nothing that he can't handle. All right, so it says in verse of 4, Then will I go unto the altar of God, unto God my exceeding joy. Yea, unto the heart will I praise thee, O God, my God. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou uh, disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, who is the health of my countenance and my God. So as we understand that, he says, man, why do I feel cast down, O my soul? And that's exactly where we feel it. Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. There are days, you know, you simply don't feel like being getting out of bed. There are days you feel slothful. There are days you get anxiety and you got so many things coming upon you. But that's really a part of what the world can give you. But he's saying, man, why am I cast down? He recognized here very early, Lord, I will praise you because you are who it's all about. So you see, to lift up Jesus is to take away every problem that we have. Why? Because God said that if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. So if we start to think about what God's wants are and his desires and his needs, I'm recognizing with me lately, I'm not having any problems. And I think it's because I'm, I'm interested in what the Lord wants to deal with. A lot of our problems may come from a lot of worldly things. Like if we say, I don't have money, I don't have the money that I should. It would be nice to have more than that, you know, for once. Now, I could say, yes, there's nothing wrong with having money, but we got to recognize, too, that worldly desires tend to make us desire things that God may not be that interested in. God is like, just follow me, and I'll take care of your every need. Amen. But what do we try to do as fallen man? I want to take care of my own needs because I'm recognizing that I've got wants and desires. So it's important that we understand that to lift up Jesus is, is, the, is the answer to every situation that we might deal with. So um, let's go to Psalm 150, and then we'll get right into the lesson. Since we're talking about lifting up the Lord, let's lift him up. And, you know, David, when the Bible says he was a man after God's own heart, if you read the Psalms, you really do get an understanding. Man, how much David loved the Lord. No matter what he was going through, it was no Psalm that was really different than any other. You felt his heart in every situation, lifting up the Lord. And I know the Lord that he was worshiping then was Jesus Christ and the, and the Father, you know, at that time. 
All right, so this is Psalm 150 in verse 1. Praise ye the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in the firmament of his power. Praise him for, it, for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the psaltery and the harp. Praise him with the temporal and dance. Praise him with string instruments and organs. So one thing we got to understand as we go into this, when it talks about praising the Lord, yes, a lot of it can come through song. A lot of it can come through music. But when he starts saying praise him with, with string instruments and organs, we've got to understand that we are also instruments of righteousness. This is what Romans 6 says. Remember when it says in Psalm 33, play a new song of yeah. ten strings. When you think of the song with the ten strings, I think of, honestly, the Ten Commandments of God. I, I, I really believe that when it says ten strings, that he's talking about loving the Lord thy God with all your heart, mind, and soul, first five, loving your neighbor as yourself. What greater way to glorify God than to fulfill the two commandments that he gave us? Sometimes, you know, and I, I've talked to many people on this, what some of the issues might be is the love for self. You know, is more. I mean, there are people I talk to, and I always tell them, you know what, give it to the Lord. Lift up the Lord. You know, get involved in God's business, and you won't be worried about your own. But there are some people I talk to, all they do is talk about self. All they do is me, my, and I, what I'm going through, how I'm suffering, what's happening to me. And I'm like, you know what, maybe your problem is you may be a self-idolater. You may be someone that is so concerned for you that it's like you won't lift up the Lord who will have you do his will. So I noticed there's no better feeling for me than when I am praising the Lord, than when I am giving him the glory. Why? Because he's deserving and he is our strength. So if the joy of the Lord is our strength, we need to praise him more and more. We can't handle this battle. Only Jesus Christ. This is verse 5. Praise him upon the loud cymbals. Praise him upon the high-sounding cymbals. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. Now, how important is the praise of God? Do you guys remember in, um, I think it's in Matthew or Luke. I think it's in Luke. But Jesus said that if the people didn't worship me, then the very stones would cry out for Jesus Christ. So, you know, somebody's going to do it. And I'd rather be a vessel to do it than to have the stones bypass me to worship the Lord. You know, and that's one thing I've even noticed, even with animals, when you are praising the Lord, if you have pets, they come right in the midst of it and will sit there because even they know they're created. Even the animals know to worship the Lord. So, you know, it's just no wonder that, you know, we go through what we go through. We just need to give it to him. And we're going to dive into the spirit and what this thing is about. So let's go to Isaiah 61. Isaiah 61. Absolutely. And the reason I say that is, is because, you know, after all, if he's our creator, then we're living for him. So only he knows what our purpose is. Only he knows what we're going through. If he made you, what better to go than to the creator to say, why am I feeling this? Why is this happening to me? I just felt some shivers come through me right now. But, the, you know, the thing is, is it's just giving it to him because, Lord, I can't handle this. And that's why the Bible says a broken and contrite heart God will not despise. Yeah. 
what did he say? Um, uh, uh, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. So when we come to him broken, Lord, only you can handle this because I can't. And you uplift him, and the Lord goes to work. Why? Because there's no pride in the way. There's no, you know, trying to figure it out yourself. You're going to who you know can deal with your issue. Man, that's so important. That's like David. He, he said, Lord, why did you reject me? And why am I feeling depressed? Mm-hmm. And he bring it to the Lord in that time of heaviness. That's right. Absolutely. And the thing is, too, the Lord um, just spoke to me, Deborah. And I think one of the reasons why um, we were talking about, you know, what was going on is the Lord knows that you have a voice of song. And he knows it's a beautiful voice at that. You know that you can really sing. And what he's revealing to me is that's what the enemy is trying to shut up. So what do we do instead of getting quieter? Let's get louder. Let's sing more. Let's look for opportunities to sing that the anointing will be placed on your voice, that he can touch everyone in the room. Man, what a beautiful gift. I, I knew how to sing a little bit, but, man, it's been 20 years ago. I wouldn't dare try it today. So I praise him in so many other ways, but... You know, that's what he's trying to shut up from you. I feel that spirit, too, roaming mm-hmm. around the house, because my gift is, uh, my calling is just to proclaim the truth. Mm-hmm. I have a huge calling just to proclaim the truth in times when no one is moving the truth. I have, to, I, I can easily proclaim the truth, and I feel that spirit of heaviness wanting me just to stay quiet, mm-hmm. wanting me just to kind of love us mm-hmm. proclaim it, but in a in a weak, low-confidence way. And uh, I totally, I totally can see how the spirit having us her in her worship because mm-hmm. one thing I will say to um, I, I was talking about you to Sarah and I said you know my brother Sam he's very upfront. you know like you cut to the chase and just hey this is how I'm feeling about this you know so that's an awesome gift in many ways that's a gift of prophecy also because you know the God is always looking to place his spirit into those who will speak some people are not God conscious enough to speak up but you will you know, so that's that's a gift that the Lord gives you. You see how many people bridle their tongues today, and I don't know if that's right or I should. There are some people, man, they're like, hey, if the Lord told me to say this, this is what I'm going to say. You know, and that's just it. I think I, think I just, uh, I've had the Lord, and he's been with me in the worst of times. Mm-hmm. Proclaiming him in the best of times is easy. Exactly, and that's why the Bible tells us to count our blessings. Why? Because there's so much that he had taken you from. Why go silent on him when he's been so faithful? So, you know, if we're going to lift up anybody, it's going to be him. And like I said before, I can't stand humanism. I hate humanism with a passion. When people try and lift up, you know, man, I'm just like, you know what? What about what Jesus said? Never mind what Einstein said. Never mind what these guys have said. What about Jesus? What about the only one whose words will endure from time to time? I mean, for everlasting. So I think humanism is also a way, too, to stunt the spirit. Not that you don't give honor to whom honors do or credit to whom credit's due. But sometimes I think we give the pastor too much credit. Sometimes I think we give the president too much credit. And all these other things where it all begins and it's going to end with Jesus. Exactly. Because anything in this world is really tied to Satan unless God is involved. So, you know, it's like, man, give it to him who can deal with it. This is Isaiah 61 in verse 1. And it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. 
He hath sent me to bind the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. So as we got to understand here, these are all to me uh, uh, um, an example of what a spirit of heaviness can do. It'll give you a broken heart for no reason at all. It will start to make you think about your past and past experiences and things that you've suffered when God wants you to get beyond that because the Bible says if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away and behold, all things become new. But unless we believe that in our faith, you know, we can be bound. with Our hearts can be bound. So this is why Jesus came. You guys can see the same thing in Luke 4 and 18. This is the purpose of the Lord coming. This was Isaiah's prophecy of Jesus Christ. So he says to proclaim liberty to the captives. You know, that's one of the biggest issues is the devil will have you captive the whole time and you think that you're free. You know, and what in true freedom is really to be of Christ, because just how that day, remember, we were all sitting together and Carlin said, man, I wish I could just stay here. And he's like, but I got to go to work. But that is a part of the captivity of the world to some degree that it won't allow you to just go to the Lord when you need him or to do his will. Mm -hmm. So I think that having a greater sense of awareness of Christ will really show us in many cases where we are bound. And that's why Jesus said, man, the, the ruler of this world comes and has nothing in me. Jesus was set free from it all. Now, of course, we're in our situations. We're living our lives. We're doing what we must do. But we've got to uplift Jesus. We've got to be available for him. Why? Because God can take a job from you and give you another job if he means for you to go and preach the gospel. You know, so don't think that what man's restrictions are in this world have anything to do with what the kingdom of God and his authority says. You know, just to give you an example, three months ago, um, I went for this apartment and somebody, um, remember I missed my appointment or whatever, so I was just like, well, I don't know what's going to happen. So I tried to reschedule and the guy just told me flat out, hey, I gave it to somebody else. Now, in my old place, they were renovating, so I had about a month to move. Like, that's not a whole lot of time. But you know, I didn't worry about it. I said, Lord, it's probably not your will. So I'll just, you know, just go on and I'm sure you'll give me something. Didn't even dwell on it. The guy called me back and said, hey, um, things didn't work out. The person didn't meet their check or whatever. You know, there was uh, some negotiation issue. Would you still like it? And I'm like, absolutely. So if God be for you, then who be against you? These, these laws that the enemy tries to push in his world, they have no bearing on the judgment of God. Whatever he decides to do, he will do. So he said he came to, to um, preach good tidings unto the meek. So, you know, that's the true gospel is that we are here to tell people, you don't have to take this sitting down. You don't have to deal with what you have dealt with in your past. We have a real hero who is Jesus Christ. And to me, the only true hero that exists, okay, that is here to bind the broken heart, set the captives free, uh, proclaim uh, liberty to the captives, the opening of prison into them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all that mourn. This is why the Lord came. Verse 3, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, 
the oil of joy, which is the Holy Ghost for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness and planting of the Lord that he might be glorified. I know Sarah's smiling because it just hit me too. We actually did the study um, Tuesday, I mean Sunday, was the, um, they hid themselves in the trees of the, amongst the trees of the garden because, you know, Jesus Christ being the true vine, there's a lot of vines out there that people go to to try and make themselves feel better. But Jesus Christ is the true vine. And I think for fallen man, we hide ourselves in the garden. We look for other means. We don't want to accept the call. Even for some believers, I don't want the Lord's call to be upon my life. So what am I going to do? As a tree, I'm going to hide amongst the trees between the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And I'll peek my head out sometimes and look at the tree of life as if that's going to do anything. So we got to understand that when he says that we will be trees of righteousness, he's expecting us to bear fruit. And what's trying to stunt that growth? The spirit of heaviness. The spirit of heaviness to tell you you're not that good. You're worthless. You're cast down. Remember everything your mama said. Remember everything your daddy said. Remember when your teacher said you would amount to no good. This is what the spirit of heaviness will throw on a person. I mean, ex-boyfriends and girlfriends, you know, telling you certain things. But we got to understand. Look what it says. The garment of praise. We have to put on the garment of praise to combat the spirit of heaviness. Because, you know, you can literally feel it. It's not just a spiritual feeling. It's also a very physical feeling. There's times you can feel so beat up when you're out there preaching the gospel. At times you're going to look around and you're not going to see the results you're looking for. But the spirit of heaviness will try and convince you, you see, this is reality. Why not just give it up, dude? You know, and I'm like, why give up? Jesus Christ never did. So we've got to uplift him to get that spirit off of us because the spirit of heaviness truly is the world and all of its desires. What did the devil try and bring on Jesus when Jesus got the spirit? The Holy Ghost didn't play around. He led Jesus immediately into the wilderness away from everything that could try and bring him back. And who met him in the wilderness? The enemy. Oh, well, I'll give you all these kingdoms. I'll give you this. I'll give you that. And you will bow down and worship me. And Jesus said, get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written that I will worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. And what we're going to find with the spirit of heaviness tonight is it has a place. And I think in many cases we may not realize it, but we can bow the knee sometimes to the enemy, which gives him a legal right over you and I. That's why the Bible tells us, be careful what the eye sees. Be careful what the ear hears. Be careful what you let in. Because whatever you give a legal right to, then you need the Spirit of God to remove it. That's why Paul says, wear the full armor that nothing gets in. You know if somebody's doing a dirty business deal that you're cool with? Have no fellowship with that individual. Hey, man, that's not a part of me. I'm wearing the breastplate of righteousness. Everything I do, the Lord sees. Everything that, you know, when it comes to your faith, the enemy trying to get in, we've got to wear that armor, and that armor is no more than Jesus Christ. Why? Because he is faithful, there's one, and he's true. We need the mind of Christ. He came to give salvation. And when you think of the fact that his gospel is what we preach, that is what we put on our feet. So in the word of the Spirit, he is the word of God, so he is the sword of the Spirit. 
So you see how everything goes back to Jesus and all we're putting on is him. Man, what an awesome God. So we're going to get into some examples tonight considering um, this uh, spirit of heaviness. So uh, where do I want to go first? Let's make it exciting. Let's go to Acts 16. What were you going to say, Sarah? Sorry. Yes. Considered, yeah, exactly. Yeah. They were considered ignorant and unlearned. Right. All the guys that were walking around with their degrees, they didn't know the Lord. I mean, Paul eventually came in, but he said, all the things that I have learned in the world, I count as dumb. He said, man, to know Christ, all that stuff can be thrown away. All I know is Jesus. That's right. Yes. Amen. That's a redirect to who you are. Amen. I am the Lord. That's right. Jesus exactly. knew who he was. He said, I'm here to represent the Father. So this is Acts 16 and 16. I love this story. Acts 16 and 16. So it says, And it came to pass, as we went to, in, uh, to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with the spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. So, you know, what was the, um, the spirit of divination is a python spirit. It's like an oracle spirit. And, um, you know, a, a spirit of divination is a fortune teller. So this woman was able to tell how fortunes that she might have some gain, you know, in them. I mean, well, her masters would have gain. Verse 17, the same follow Paul and us and cried, saying, these men are the servants of the Most High God, which shew us unto the way of salvation. And this did she many days. Doesn't it sound like a spirit that we know? You know, just bugging and bugging and bugging. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that same hour. So you make clear that it was a spirit that was plaguing that woman. And when her masters saw that the hope of their gains was gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace unto the rulers and brought them to the magistrates, uh, saying, These men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe being Romans. So as you can see, the gospel itself was totally against everything that they were going on and doing in Rome. But you see, it will bring you some trouble when you stand for the Lord. And a multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates ran off their clothes and commanded to beat them. So what you can see right now, as far as the city is concerned, I want everyone to get an understanding, is these people that are attacking Paul and Silas are a type of demons. 
We've got to understand that. Now, physically, they are men, but we know that this is a literal spirit that is dealing with them. What is the spirit doing now? It accused them. It brought them before the magistrate, and now it's commanding to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely. So let's understand this, too. Now, first, the magistrate had to beat them, and then once many stripes were cast upon them, now they're in prison. Now, I know that this is, this is what physically happened, but I want people to look at this in a spiritual sense. We never just go to depression. We never just go to, to despair. What do we get? Hit after hit. And once we are thoroughly beaten up, you know, or whatever, and we believe the lies that the enemy may place on us, then he bound them into prison. So you see, a lot of people can find themselves in that place. I'm not sure if I can get out. I'm not trying to, you know, oversay what the, what the word of God says here. This is the Lord revealing to me that this is exactly how the enemy works. He never just cast you into prison. He's got to beat you. He's got to try and sink in. He's got to get you first to believe it and to throw you into jail. Mm -hmm. So it says in verse 24, who having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison. So he brought them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. So what is the devil trying to do? Keep them from preaching the gospel. Look at how they are even bound hand and foot. Verse 25, and at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and what? Sang praises unto God and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's bands were loose. So as you can see, when the enemy tries to come upon us like this, what does the Lord do? When we give him the praise, we give him the worship, we give him the honor. He breaks those bands. Why? Because Christ is not bound to anything. And that's something we got to recognize. The more we give it to the Lord, the more we uplift him, the more we get filled in the spirit. Mm -hmm. And Christ wasn't bound to any man. Christ did what the Father told him to do. So that's what we got to recognize. And when the Bible says we are more than conquerors in Jesus Christ, man, then we can't be bound if we be in Christ. Verse 27, and the keeper of the prison, awakening out of his sleep, and seeing the prison doors open, and drew out his sword, and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light, and sprang in, and came trembling, and fell down before Paul and Silas. So we would have to ask ourselves, why were they thrown in prison? Only that the will of God might be done. There were, there were souls in prison needing to get saved. So the Lord allowed the persecution to bring them there. Only that God might be glorified. And that's what we got to do as far as this spirit of heaviness. We've got to give God the glory. Because he only means it that you might have more faith. He's not placing that on you. But he wants to show us there is nothing too hard for God. And brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So this guy is between a rock and a hard place. This guy recognizes, okay, I can run off, get found, get killed. I can stay here and get killed. Either way, you guys are free. So what am I going to do? 
So when Paul said, don't do yourself any harm, this guy said, what must I do to be saved? You know, sometimes the Lord's got to bring us in places like this that we might come to him. I, almost nobody ever comes to the Lord just straight up knowing him and just loving him. I'm, I'm saying almost nobody. Some people do, but other people have to be brought almost to a cliff before they recognize, I'm falling, Lord, save me. Verse 31, and they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thy house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord and to all that were in, the, in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes. Look at what the Lord will do. He will wash those stripes that the enemy has placed on you and was baptized and he in all his straight way. And when he had brought them into his house, he set meat before them and rejoiced, believing in God with all his house. You want to know what's interesting? Um, the Lord just revealed this too. Now, think about it. If the Holy Ghost washes our stripes and baptizes us in the spirit and puts us on a straight way. And it says when he had brought them into his house, because the Holy Ghost is only going to lead you back to the house of the Lord. You see how it says they sat at meat. What is the Holy Ghost getting us ready for? This marriage supper mm -hmm. that we might be with Christ. So this is just really interesting how this comes together. But as you can see, whether you are physically or spiritually bound, praise of the Lord sets those bands free. Man, give it to him. He is deserving. He is worthy. Let's go to Ezra chapter 9. Anybody wants to add anything they can, uh, I just wanted to make that point. And I want to read this too. We have some more understanding. Let's see. This is called uh, Overcoming the Spirit of Heaviness. Just wanted to read this real quick. All right, so we read Isaiah 61, and it says the spirit is the roach. That's the Hebrew word of it. And it says this is the same word um, used in all spiritual life and being including God and beings including God. It is used also of breath and air, and it does not mean a feeling of attitude. This is heaviness. It means somewhat dark, darkish, wax dim. Uh, smoking, heaviness, dim, dull, colorless, uh, be dark, faint. Uh, I want to get past this. And so it says the effects of the spirit of heaviness. It darkens our countenance. Our hearts are cast down. This spirit uh, brings a heaviness over us. It dims our visions, robs our hope. Uh, the room may actually look darker. It brings a heavy, oppressive feeling. It quenches our faith. Then it says, it may come over many at once like a plague. It can be like a cloud hanging over a place. It causes us to isolate. It steals our love. It makes us feel alone. Okay, so um, I just wanted to bring that point up, and then we're going to get into exactly... Uh, the steps that we can go through with that. Now, we know the answer is Jesus Christ, but for those listening, maybe they'll get more out of it, you know, and have a real understanding. Because one thing we already know, you can't drug the body into good health. Eventually, you know, you end up needing more medication and more things going on. But 
We've got to give it to Christ because he's the only one. Because he made us, he can make us right. Alright, this is Ezra 9. Ezra 9. And we'll start at verse 1. Everybody there? Okay. So it says, Now when these things were done, the princes came to me saying, The people of Israel and the priests of the Levites have not separated themselves from the people of the lands, doing according to their abominations, even the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Parasites, the Jebusites, the Ammonites, the Moabites, the Egyptians, and the Amorites. So what we understand here that what they're talking about people were doing in these lands were all kinds of demons. I mean, these are um, giants. These were giant tribes. The Egyptians, you know, they have some history of being associated with giants, but were they, were they themselves giants? I don't think so. And then the Moabites themselves, you know, and the Ammonites were the children of Lot, which were a big problem to the children of Israel, mm -hmm. who had partaken in the things that the giants wanted to do. So this is uh, verse 2, and it says, For they have taken of their daughters for themselves and for their sons, so that the holy seed have mingled themselves with the people of those lands. Yea, the hand of the princes and rulers have been chief in this trespass. So remember when the Bible says that we are not to be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. You've got God's people, the holy seed, which was Israel, mingling with these giants and these tribes that were against God. Okay, so what we see here is that only brings more trouble to your heaviness because you mingle yourself with the enemy. Now, the Lord can save anyone, but when God chooses someone for us, it's almost certain that there's someone also, maybe he means for you to win to the Lord or he's going to, um, you know, um, that person already knows the Lord. And from there, you can go out and help others. But to be unequally yoked with an unbeliever, and I've seen this so many times, you want to talk about a spirit of heaviness? There is nothing heavier than marrying the wrong person. Man, I'm telling you, if you were someone that is out for Jesus and your partner can't stand Jesus or wants to limit how, how much you get to be with him or do things for him, you're talking a constant fight in your relationship because that person's God is not your God. So what you end up having is a situation where two people are fighting for supremacy. And God meant for things to be in divine order. Yeah. I know a lot of marriages like this where you got women that will be so willing to go and serve the Lord. They see the truth and their husband doesn't want anything to do with it. And then you'll find the man that may want to go and serve the Lord. Mm -hmm. And his wife is trying to find every excuse not to get him to be a part of it mm -hmm. because she knows that she'll lose her grip over him. You know, both things happen like this. So... It's just it's just a bad thing to mingle with the people that are not of the Lord. Verse 3. And when I heard this thing, I rent my garment and my mantle and plucked off the hair of my head and of my beard and sat down astonished. Like he was astonished because he can't believe after all the Lord has done. Now, this is the time of Ezra. This is about 450 B.C. This is around the time of Esther, Nehemiah, and all that that's about to happen. But he can't believe, even from the days of Egypt, that people are still not listening to the Lord and associating with them. So he says, And were assembled unto me every one that trembled at the words of God of Israel, 
because of the transgression of those that had been carried away, and I sat astonished, like astonished, uh, until the evening sacrifice. And at the evening sacrifice, I arose up from my heaviness, and having rent my garment and my mantle, I fell upon my knees and spread out my hands unto the Lord my God. So this is interesting because he had a spirit of heaviness from what he was enduring, what he was seeing in the world. But what was funny is he waited till the evening sacrifice. Can you, you know, you know, that was a tradition of Israel. But can you think about a sacrifice that occurred in the evening when he arose and wanted to do what was right? Think about it. Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Jesus Christ was offered in the evening when he died. And from there, you know, um, he resurrected three days later. But remember, at that point, that was a sacrifice unto the Lord. So as he's doing this in the evening, he's saying, um, he having rent uh, my garment and my mantle, I fell upon my knees and spread out my hands unto the Lord my God. So what was he doing here? That mantle and that garment is getting rid of the old man. You see how you got to remove one garment in order to have another? I'm going to let the Bible speak, though. I'm talking too much now. So this is verse 6. And said, O oh my God, I am ashamed and blushed to lift up my face to thee. My God, for our iniquities are increased over our head, and our trespass is grown up unto the heavens. So this is another thing where the spirit of heaviness can come upon you because I'm recognizing, like even within myself, I know when I've spent too much time in the world. I know it. And, and before I even go to my knees, I'm even questioning, Lord, I didn't even give you today. I don't even feel like I should get down right now because I'm feeling like I've betrayed you. Mm -hmm. I, I have a coldness of the world that I've wrapped around me. Mm -hmm. And now I know I can either draw closer to you and get down now and fight through it to have that light back on me, or I can just kind of get by it and go on to the next day and have more distance with you. I don't know if anyone's ever experienced that, but the spirit of heaviness, you know, you haven't been spending time with the Lord. You just start wondering, man, is it even, should I even get down right now? But the answer is yes, because you are pushing away that very thing that is trying to come between you and the Lord. Verse 7, since the days of our fathers have we been in great trespass unto this day. And for our iniquities uh, have we, our kings and our priests, been delivered into the hand of the kings of the lands, to the sword, to captivity, and to the spoil, and to confusion of face, and it is this day. So what he understands is these are other things that demons will do to people you know they they make you feel captive they'll bring war against you they'll bring confusion which is a type of perversion that they'll come against you and they'll you know they'll just get on your case verse 8 and now for a little space grace hath been shewed from the lord our god to leave us a remnant to escape and to give us a nail in his holy place that our god may lighten our eyes and give us a little reviving in our bondage. So what is he doing? He's turning to the Lord. The Lord gives you a fresh perspective. I've done it all. You just need to cling to me. Stay connected to the vine. What does Jesus say? Aside from me, you can do nothing. So as he's turning to the Lord, you see his perspective changing. You see his eyes are being opened. Because this is what the Lord is trying to show us. 
For we were bondmen, yet our God hath not forsaken us in our bondage, but hath extended mercy unto us in the sight of the kings of Persia to give us a reviving, to set up the house of our God, and to repair the desolations thereof, and to give us a wall in Judah and, and in Jerusalem. Man, this is awesome because when you think about this, he's making it clear. God has given us grace in the eyes of Persia, but then he says, um, reviving to set up the house of our God. So what is the house of God? What is the temple of the Lord? You and I, right? So then he says, uh, where am I? Uh, verse 10, okay. So, and then he says, and to repair the desolations thereof and to give us a wall in Judah and in Jerusalem. So what does he do? He repairs the desolations in this temple and he gives us a wall, which is what? Which is Christ, mm -hmm. which is having the armor that we might endure. These are all the works of the Holy Ghost. And now, O oh our God, what shall we say then? For we have forsaken the commandments which thou hast um, commanded by thy servants, the prophets, saying, The land unto which ye go to possess it is an unclean land with the filthiness of the people of the lands, with their abominations which have filled it from one end to another in their uncleanness. Now therefore give not your daughters unto their sons, neither take their daughters unto, their, unto your sons, nor seek their peace or their wealth forever, that ye may be strong and eat the good of the land, and leave it for an inheritance to your children forever. So what do we do? Worship the right God and, and keep the demons out of your house from the midst of you, and you will flourish and, and receive that inheritance that is of God. So we've got to understand, first there was a confession of sin. You know, he went before the Lord. Lord, I know something is not right. Show me if there's anything. So dealing with the spirit of heaviness isn't just praise. Praise is part of it. But the Lord, in your praise, the Lord might reveal to you there's something that you're doing that is bringing this spirit upon you. So it is important that we first give it to the Lord. We confess if there are sins. Lord, show me where I'm wrong. And then we have to be available to receive the instruction of the Spirit that will keep us from falling back in. And that's why we've got to obey the Lord to do His will. So you see, confession itself and, in, and receiving instruction will also take away the spirit of heaviness. No one has anything to add. We can go to Second uh, Corinthians 4. We'll begin at verse 1. Did you have something you wanted to add or no? No. Okay. You know, this is our biggest problem right here in 2 Corinthians 4, that the Lord can work out in us. All right, so this is 2 Corinthians 4, and we're going to begin at verse 1. And it says, Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. So Paul is 
immediately recognizing, guys, I know where I was and I know where we were, but we received mercy, so we're not going to faint in doing the Lord's will. So what he's talking about combating is a spirit of slothfulness, which is also a part of the spirit of heaviness. But have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty. So he's, got, he's done away with that. Not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. So what is he recognizing? I may be dealing with things, but that's not important. What's important is cleaning up my house and being of service unto Christ. Mm -hmm. So he says, but if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God, lowercase g, of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. So why do we come? Why do we preach the gospel? We also want to set the captives free. But this is for Jesus' sake. This is so people may have hope. You know, we've got to combat the spirit of heaviness because some people, from what they know of this world and all that this world has to offer, there are a lot of people feeling like, I don't have a way out. I don't know what, I don't know how to deal with this. So if we have the life of Christ in us, we ought to minister unto people. Verse 6, for God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. So what are we looking for? God buried a treasure down in you and I. What is the spirit of heaviness? What is the world? What does the devil try and do? Keep it suppressed. I don't want you to know that God is your only hope and that his spirit that he placed in you can actually work. Because, see, here's the funny thing. Even when we don't have the Holy Ghost, we have a spirit. Man is body, soul, and spirit. What are we only conscious of in most cases? The body. What we see, what we can taste, what we can touch, what we can smell, you know, and, and, and those things. But then you get into the soul where God is your mind, your will, and your emotions. That's a neutral place. The soul is not on either side. The soul can either tug with the spirit or the soul can tug with the flesh. So the soul's in the middle. You got the, the, uh, the flesh pulling you everywhere you go. When you find the Lord, he awakens in you the spirit that he gave you that the Holy Ghost will only be compatible with because the Holy Ghost is not a part of the flesh. So when we receive the Spirit of God and we give it all to Christ, mm -hmm. the Spirit wakes up, and that's the treasure that we don't even realize is there. You know, in many cases, before we find Christ, we're self-conscious and we're world-conscious, but we're not very God-conscious. Mm -hmm. So what eventually happens is the devil tries to keep you from getting into that Spirit where... God will awaken in you and his works will be done in you. So what does he do every day? Try and wrap you up in the world. And what do we try and do? Get unwrapped so that God can shine through. Amen. And that's why he said you cannot hide the light under a bushel. You can't do it. But you see, that's what the spirit of heaviness tries to do. So when we become more conscious of Jesus Christ, 
man, that light just shines so bright that the enemy has to back off. Why? He's got no authority. Christ in you is the hope of glory. All right, so he says, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. You see that? We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Why? Because the Spirit of God can overcome all. That's, right. That's why he says, He that is in you, it greater is he that is in you than is in the world. Because what God puts in a man can only make him reach his full potential. Having Christ will only allow you to be the best that you can be. Man. So you see how despair, distressed, perplexed, and all that, those things don't hold any weight in God's economy. Because the Spirit of God is only here for one reason, and that's to uplift Jesus. So it says in verse 10, Always bearing about in the body and dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our bodies. So what do we need? We need to die out to self and allow Christ to live. Is this easy? No. But what I try and tell people concerning this old man, stop feeding him what he likes. Stop giving the old man what he enjoys. The things from the world that try to keep you bound. If you don't feed anything in this life, and that includes any organism, it no, will die. No. But if you, if you feed Christ in you, man, then he's going to grow. But you, as you can see already, this body is not big enough for the two of us. Either Christ is going to live here or we're going to live here. But you're not going to have the same. Now, will he give you desires according to his heart? Absolutely. Amen. He can fulfill and meet every need that you desire. Amen. But you've got to be governed by the Spirit of God so God can work through you. The flesh is not going to listen to God. The flesh is going to do what it wants. <laughs> then the flesh gets in trouble, and then it's looking for the Spirit to bail you out. So the Lord is like, okay, let's just fix the problem. You do what I tell you to do. You uplift me. Let me be formed in you. And that is to solve every problem that you might have. Right. All right. So he says, For we which live are always delivered unto death for Christ's sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then death worketh in us, but life in you. We having the same spirit of faith according as it is written, I believe and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. So as you can see, what you believe is what you will do. And what does the spirit of heaviness try and do? Keep you from talking about Jesus. He tries to keep you from praising Jesus. He tries to keep you from delivering the gospel. I've noticed since the Lord has put me in the ministry, my problems are slowly but surely going away. No matter what it is, when you get busy for the Lord, he'll get busy for you. Hey, you got, you know what? You got a lot of problems. I'm going to deal with these because you're doing something for me. That's so as you, exactly. So as you're, oh, amen. <laughs> Just thought about so as you're giving out the spirit or you're giving life unto others and you're allowing Christ to work, he's going to continue to pour into your cup. Why? Because you're going to need it. So it's important that, and that's why he tells us to carry our cross. You've got to. 
because the old man wants so much. But when you, what can a dead man do, honestly? A dead man doesn't get depressed. A dead man has no spirit of heaviness. A dead man is dead and God lives in him. So he wants you to, exactly. So he wants you to die out to self. But dead men don't have any problems. You don't believe me? We can go down to the morgue or the cemetery. And as you can see, it will be a peaceful rest. And that's why if any man be in Christ, he dies, you know, he, he goes, he enters into his rest from his own works. Let's get alive to Jesus. Got my brother over there cracking up. So he says in verse 14, Knowing that he hath raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus and shall present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving uh, of many redound to the glory of God. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. So as you get rid of this old man that's got a lot of problems, man, the inward man is renewed. It might seem like, man, he's just getting beat down. It doesn't seem like he's doing much with his life. He's just serving the Lord. But see, as that outward man is dying, and that inward man is just being birthed. Man, what a beautiful thing. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. So what is Paul's? He's calling his affliction light. He's calling his affliction light. And all that he went through because he's looking at the end game, the kingdom of God. And that's what another thing the spirit of heaviness will do. Get you focused here. And this becomes your reality versus what God wants you to see of, of the true reality. And look at what he says in 18. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal. That means they'll come and go. But the things which are not seen are eternal. So when we have the mind of Christ, we start to hold things in their proper place. Not about me, Lord. It's about you. Not about this life, Lord. It's the Lord. It's the world to come. It's the new kingdom. So the more focus we get on Jesus, the less focus we have on ourselves. Let's go to Second Corinthians 11. Yeah. Okay, sir. And I do believe that the Lord in this time is starting to wake more people up to mm -hmm. the truth because I'm starting to see more people uh, post things about the days that we're living in and how Satan wants to keep, mm -hmm. wants to tear down the family structure and keep both, both parents oh, yeah. in debt and mm -hmm. both parents busy so that way they can't discipline their own children. Absolutely. And you guys want water? And uh, you're starting to see that. You're starting to see that more during this time. Now, I'm not saying that it's like a total awareness. I think, but I do believe that some of that light is starting to to beam through, and it's because of the coming persecution upon America. And you know, the Lord's not going to leave His people ignorant as to what's coming. And it just seems like, I remember even with 9-11, it's like man has got to go through things in order to trust the Lord. And sometimes God will allow persecution because it allows us to be strong in Him. It allows us to put our trust back where it belongs in Him. And that's why the Bible tells us, this is uh, 1 Corinthians 15 and 19, 
He says, if you have hope only in this life in Christ Jesus, you are of all men most miserable. That is a fact because what happens is you start to look for the Lord here, but you're not looking for him in eternal life. And a lot of people are doing that. That's when they try and place the Lord alongside with everything in the world. But Jesus said, lay not up for yourselves treasures that are in, um, you know, on earth where thieves and moth and everything rust can come in. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, the things that will, will last and endure. So you're absolutely right. But that's the thing. A lot of people are losing hope. They're losing faith in their government. They're losing faith in politicians. They're losing faith in their religion. So this is a great time to preach the gospel that people might find Christ. Exactly. God will allow this to happen so we can understand he is our only hope. Because as long as we think we got a way out some other way, man will continue to go that way and not follow what Jesus said to do. So some ways, you know, doors got to be closed in our lives for us to say, okay, I give up. Lord, you win. And then the Holy Ghost puts your arms behind your back. He arrests you and he brings you into the kingdom. But sometimes, yes, we should preach that one day, a warrant for your arrest, the high sheriff of heaven. But, you know, for those parents out there that are also suffering with things because of their children and what they're going through, spirits of heaviness, continue to pray, continue to fast for them. Because eventually, God from heaven will issue a warrant for your child's arrest. I know my parents had to do it to me. They prayed for me and prayed for me and prayed for me. And I lived like hell. And one day, I was found, you know, I was caught up in a rough situation. And the Lord said, yeah, you're coming with me. You know, let's go. But sometimes it takes those things. Never stop believing. Never stop praying for your children. Never stop pushing forward to knowing that God can do all things because he can and all we have is hope in him. We were talking about like it's coming more uh, relevant. Yeah, it's like a it's like a, a slow progression here because it's like you know other countries they you have to know what you believe over there because you're willing to die for it. And I, oh yeah. I, you know we're starting to see that more and more here with right. the, with the agendas mm-hmm. like with the agendas of Portland and and what other states and cities are finally starting to deal with like it's not just your lackadaisy christianity mm-hmm. anymore it's really starting to hit people right. h- hardcore so it's like um you know some of the people that you know i talk to about the lord in reality and they've been in a religious mindset this whole time are starting to wake up to mm-hmm. Oh, you know, we're going through small persecutions. And I'm like, exactly. That's mm-hmm. my point. You know, exactly. That they're finally starting to see it. That's true. Because their kids are going through things they've never experienced before. And mm-hmm. in their age or in their, in their mm-hmm. case, maybe that religion covered that topic. But their kids are, it's like, what do we do now? It's like, well, you need to actually be Christian for real. <laughs> That's <laughs> right. Yeah. Amen. To your word. You know, mm-hmm. That's true. For that, for That's that right. Issue. You know, and that's the thing. If you play in Satan's world, he's going to play in yours. You know, if you stay where you should be, you'll be okay with Christ. But if you give him a legal right, he will step over. You can't invite him over for dinner. He'll stay and kick you out. That's how it goes. You know? You're trying to do that with God. <laughs> exactly. Trying to offer the Lord something that he made. Isn't that funny? But that's just what Satan did to Adam and Eve. He tried to offer them something they already had. They were already eternal. They were already like God. 
They were already, I mean, how much more understanding do you need than to walk with God in the garden every day? But see, he sold them on themselves and offered them something that they already had because he made them, he took them away from the consciousness of God and made them self-conscious. And you see from there, they were ashamed. Look at all the things that come with the spirit of heaviness. They were ashamed. They hid themselves from God and they tried to solve their own problems with fig leaves. And the Lord had to say, you know what, guys, this is how you do it. I'm going to kill two animals, make you some skins so you can wear clothes. But he had to solve their problem even way back then. But you see a depressed man or a man that is self-conscious and not God-conscious, man, you're only one-third of what God made you to be, or two-thirds maybe. But that spirit, when you come into that place, that is the wholeness which is of Christ. And now notice, here's the thing. If you're two-thirds, if you only have soul and flesh, what is two-thirds of a thousand? That's 666%. So you wonder if the number of the beast or the name of the beast, you see how you don't reach your full potential? Because God's number was 777. What was on the sixth day? Beast and man. Mm -hmm. And that's why he said, unless you have the mark of the beast or the name of the beast or the number of his name, here is wisdom. Let him who have wisdom count the number of the beast for it is a number of what? A man, and his number is 303 score and six. I'm not saying that's the total meaning of it. It's just interesting how if, if a thousand percent is what something is supposed to be to be whole, and we are three parts, and we only have two of those parts until we find Christ, you never reach your full potential mm-hmm. into being 777 with Christ. Man. And you see people in the world, how they operate, how they, how they date, how they find people that they're marrying, mm-hmm. how they live. Mm-hmm. It's very carnal. It's very primitive. Yeah. And I mean, and beast-like, very much. I mean, I'm looking at, I'm working the education system, and I'm looking at these kids, and, man, and they are losing their minds. Yeah. Through all that rap music, all that garbage that they're into, man, these kids are losing their minds. Because they don't even understand that the spirit of heaviness come with nice beats. Mm-hmm. You know, they got beats that'll make you dance, but all that stuff is oppressive. Steals. Talking about this woman is a this, and I'm doing this with this chick, and I'm making my money, and I'm killing everybody out there. We're going to um, do a, a study, too, coming up on, and Lord's already put that one together, on the thug spirit. Because a, a spirit, a, a thug is not just someone that just decides to do something. It goes way back to India. And, and that is a literal spirit that will make you want to hang your pants. Because that's how the thuggy cult dressed in that day. Look up the thuggy cult from the Indiana Jones movies and those other... Man, those guys wore the same baggy pants, the same spirit. They would wait for people on the side of the road and they would act like they were friends. They would come and welcome people. Oh, well, you had a long travel. Yeah, well, we'll just show you where to go in the morning, or you can hang out with us. Feed them well. And then when they went to sleep, they would either strangle them or hit them in the head with something. Just like a thug. Just like a a no-good criminal. But they did it for their god, Kali, or goddess, you know, which is the goddess of death. So we've got to understand what a thug spirit is. We're going to get into that. That's coming up. But, yeah, everything is spiritual, folks. Everything. All right, so this is 2 Corinthians 11 and 17, and it says, That which I speak, I speak it not after the Lord, but as it were foolishly in this confidence of boasting. Seeing that many glory after the flesh, 
I will glory also. So he's not saying he wants to, but he's trying to make a point. Guys, if you think that you can be something in the flesh, then maybe you need to hear my resume and know what I'm trying to say here. So he says, um, for ye suffer fools gladly, uh, seeing ye yourselves are wise. For um, ye suffer, if a man bring you into bondage, uh, if a man devour you, if a man take you, if a man exalt himself, if a man smite you on the face, I speak as concerning reproach as though we had been weak. How be it? Whereinsoever any is bold, I speak foolishly, I am bold also. Are they Hebrew? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more in labors, more abundant in stripes, of, um, above measure, in prisons, more frequent in deaths off. So this is what Paul suffered just to preach the gospel of God. Then he says, of the Jews, five times received I 40 stripes, save one. Five times he received 40 stripes. So he was whipped upon his back 200 times for the gospel. This is what Paul is saying. Then he says, thrice was I beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Thrice I was suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeyings often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils by my own countrymen. So his own people were persecuted. In perils by the heathen. In perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren. So Paul was also betrayed. And mm -hmm. weariness and painfulness. So Paul was weary in many cases concerning this. In watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Denied. Verse 28. Beside those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, uh, the care of all the churches. Mm -hmm. So regardless of what, he's still looking out for the churches. He's still looking out for the people. Who is weak and I am not weak? Who is offended and I burn not? If I must needs glory, I will glory in the things which concern my infirmities. So Paul's making clear, you think you got problems? Man, you ain't seen problems until you dealt with this. But he's saying, even in my infirmities, I'm giving it unto the Lord. The love of God, verse 31. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is blessed forever, knoweth that I lie not. In Damascus, the governor under uh, uh, Aretas, I guess Aretas, the king kept the city of the, the Damascenes with the garrison, desirous to apprehend me, and through a window in a basket, I was let down by a wall and escaped his hands. So Paul even had to run for his life for the gospel's sake. You know, and it's important that we understand this because at the more we got conscious of Christ, you don't think Paul was depressed? You don't think Paul felt weak and heavy? You don't think Paul could have said, you know what? I've been in enough trouble. I don't want to endure this anymore. But see, Paul was no longer Paul. Jesus Christ was in Paul. And you see, no matter what, he did what he was supposed to do. 
That's why Paul says in Galatians 2 and 20, though I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, not I, but Christ liveth in me. Because unless we got Jesus, we just can't endure. This is 2 Corinthians 12. If anyone wants to add anything, any questions, they can. But I want to um, bring up this point too before it gets late. I just want to read. Uh, this is what um, they're saying. So it says, overthrowing the spirit of heaviness. It says, recognize it. Not is, uh, This is not you. You are a child of God. This is not God's will for you. That's Romans 8 and 31. What shall we say then? What shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? This is stage two. Don't believe anything negative. You think under its influence, accept no criticism of yourself or others. Uh, this is uh, Corinthians 10 and 5. Uh, we destroy arguments and every proud obstacle to the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. So, you know, that's the that's another version, but it talks about how we ought to um, put all thoughts under subjection to the knowledge of God, you know. So that's something that we ought to do to have that um, obedience unto Christ. First Corinthians 10. Right, 1 Corinthians 10 and 5. This is a 6. Put on the garment of praise. That's Isaiah 61. This literally means to be wrapped up in praise. God has given it to you to put on. Take action, including adoration, thanksgiving, singing, and glorifying. Get loud, get definite, aggressive. Wrestle it down, Ephesians 6, and break into the anointing. Follow these steps and you will get a victory over this tactic of the adversary. So it's important that we recognize that, you know, we, we talked about many of those things already tonight, but we want to have this thing defeated, you know, because when the Bible says the kingdom of heaven suffered violence oh. and the violent take it by force, there's nothing wrong with a Christian being aggressive towards a spirit. That's why God put us here. Did you hear how G Jesus talked to the spirits? He said, man, thou unclean spirit, leave the man. He talked to him like a dog. Get out of here. You know, <laughs> whatever. But they knew who he was. We've got to speak with that same authority. Because I'm telling you, a lot of 21st century Christians, their mindset is we've got to be soft-spoken. We've got to show love. You don't show the devil love. You show, you attack the devil like a mad dog. But you you have love for the brethren that are bound by this spirit. So there's nothing wrong with a Christian proclaiming in Jesus' name that things need to go. We need to be just as battle-ready and tested and aggressive as he. Jesus cast out devils. We ought to cast out devils. Amen. Because a spirit of heaviness is a demon. And that's that's something that a lot of people, including this person I looked up, is not bringing forth. A spirit of heaviness can be cast out. See, so people deal with the spirit to a degree. You see how they go into some degree praise, worship, but nobody wants to cast out a demon. But see, we got to recognize that that's the complete work of Christ. When he says he came to bind the broken heart, set the captives free, he was talking about getting rid of demons. He was talking about the stronghold of the enemy that needs to be broken off. Amen. Man, God is good.
Man, they are for real over there. Yeah. That's one reason why I'm thinking I should go and minister in a third world country, you know, because these guys, yeah. they won't be wasting any time. No. They know that these things are real. But this country, there's such a blanket over the truth that it's like you don't know what you believe. Yeah. And that's why when you brought up, when you said that um, how in your country the men are, you know, men, you know, and everything. And over here... You kind of feel like you've got to tone it down a bit because people are so easily offended. It's confusing. Yeah, and it's just like, dude, come on. I mean, if God made you to be a man, it's because God made you to be a man. He made women to be women. But a lot of Christians, they've just got this mindset that the love of Christ is, oh, brother, welcome, come in, we love <laughs> I mean, Jesus spoke as one having authority, you know? He even told them with John the Baptist, what did you think you came to see? A reed shaking in the wind? What did you think that John the Baptist was going to be? A man clothed in soft raiment? He said, those guys are in king's palaces. But Jesus Christ was one who would take the fight to the enemy. So once he subdues this spirit of heaviness in us and we help the brethren, we are sent to go out to free other captives. It's a blessing. Ethiopian women, the way they treat their men and they encourage their men, they push them into their calling and nature. Mm -hmm. The men are actually, they're more scurrying away. Mm -hmm. And the woman say, what are you doing, man? You're a man. You're supposed to be able to do this. And they push them into their, mm -hmm. their nature. It's Bro, you couldn't have said a truer thing, man. I've seen the fight going to the women. Women are ready to go out there. Ooh. And I'm finding the men, they're kind of, well, I don't know. I'm not too sure. And I'm like, man, you know, so what do we do? We take what we've got. So, all right, well, Christ is in the women too. Let's go. But we do need men active in this, you know. But that's another thing that the devil will attack the men. Why? Because he knows God's divine order or, you know, the head of every man is Christ. The head of the woman is the man. The head of Christ is God. So when you got that set up properly, man, it's a direct pipeline back to the Father. So you have that constant flow of the Spirit. Well, he wants to steal the authority from children. Mm -hmm. And that's why he protects men in their identities in that way. Absolutely. You're so right, bro. This is 2 Corinthians 12, since we're already here. This is what Paul says. It is not expedient for me, doubtless, to glory. I will come to visit to visions and revelations of the Lord. I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago, whether in the body I cannot tell, or whether out of the body I cannot tell. God knoweth such an one caught up to the third heaven. So you know that this is Paul talking about his experience in Damascus. And I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell, God knoweth. How that he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words, which it is not lawful for a man to utter. Of such a one will I glory, yet um, of myself, uh, yet of myself I will not glory, but in mine infirmities. So remember, chapter, chapter 11 ended with all Paul went through. Now this is chapter 12 that is talking about that he will glory in those infirmities. For though I would desire to glory, I shall not be a fool. For I will say the truth, but now I forbear, lest any man should think of me above that which he seeth me to be, or that he heareth me of me. So Paul is saying the Lord put him in this situation 
because he didn't want Paul getting puffed up. See, so it's important that sometimes God has got to bring you low. He's got to put you in things because you start to think of yourself as more than you are. You know, but when you really got to fight for the faith and you go through real stuff, you know it's Jesus Christ that pulled me from this. So he says in verse 7, And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. So as you can see, as he got closer to the Lord, Satan attacked his flesh. And that's a, the flesh is a huge part of a spirit of heaviness because do you know that if the flesh is dead and alive to Jesus, the devil really has no way to work in you. That's why Jesus crucified his flesh 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness. The devil couldn't find a way in. He tried to offer him the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. None of it worked. Why? Jesus was only here for one purpose, and that was his father. So it says, For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that I might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I uh, rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. So if you guys ever heard that um, saying, uh, that the Lord can't put more on me than I can bear. That's actually in the Bible too. So we've got to recognize if we're going through something, it's because the Lord means for you to defeat it. He means for you to conquer it, that you might serve him effectively. So instead of going against, oh, woe is me. Look at my life. Look at all that's happening to me. He's saying, man, glory in those infirmities and lift up Jesus. Because Jesus is the remedy for all that we endure. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. So that's important that we understand that this man, this, this flesh, this old man needs to be broken so that the spirit of heaviness has no way in. And Christ lifted up. I can't say that enough tonight because... You know, I'm sure right after this, I'm going to get tested. I know old Lucifer's going to come looking for me, but guess what? I, I am going to wear that garment, and if the Lord's will be, I will not take it off. I will fight and combat this thing because Paul says we ought to endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. So if we are warring and for Christ, then we can expect the devil to hit back. There's no way that we're going to be out here preaching the gospel and you're not going to expect anything to come your way. If you fight for freedom, he's going to fight to hold captive. A lot of Christians today don't even believe that they're at war. Then why are you wearing the armor? I mean, obviously, it's to sustain blows and to give some back. So we've got to trust in the Lord. And you know what? I don't think I need to really go into much tonight because I think, you know, lifting up Jesus is more important than anything. Um, let's see. I want to go to Luke 13 and get Luke 11, and I think we should be done. Well, can I make a, yeah. a quick point? I know yeah. I've, I've talked about this multiple times, but it's just like thinking about being a soldier. Well, what is this, especially in today's time, what do you have to do first before you become a soldier? 
go through basic training, right? Mm -hmm. And from day one, they're thus far from your faith. <laughs> yelling at you, screaming at you, spitting at you, and oh, everything yeah. like that. And it, it's not comfortable. Mm -hmm. And the first week or two, that's the make or break you point. Mm -hmm. And it, it's like you, you have to adjust to that. The first time I went in, that was was a lot harder than the second time. Because mm -hmm. it's like, man, you're crying. You're doing, I don't know. And everything like that. But it's just grown men crying because you got another man yelling in your face and stuff like mm -hmm. that. But it's 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 not comfortable. Mm -hmm. It's really not all that. And they don't care. You know, that's that it's not comfortable. Same thing with this gospel right here. You know, it is meant to break down those strong men, those strongholds that we have in our life, and to rebuild Jesus Christ mm -hmm. in us. And a lot of times it's not going to be comfortable. Mm -hmm. A lot of times we're going to get kicked right into the fire. Mm -hmm. And Gary Price is a uh, boot break your backside. <laughs> yeah, like, I love you. Get out there. <laughs> you know, to be used of the Lord. Amen. This is so true. So this is Luke 13. And uh, let's start at verse 11. I love to hear about the things that Jesus does. You know, because unless we believe this, guys, this is just words on a page. True. You know, we've got to believe this, that these, the God's word is truth. It's true. You know, everything. I don't care how far-fetched it may seem to the carnal mind. Believe it, because he is God. This is uh, Luke, 11 and, uh, Luke 13 and verse 11. And it says, And behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity. What is a spirit of infirmity? It's a, it's a spirit of heaviness. It's a spirit of sickness. It's a spirit of, you know, you know, defeating you, beating you down. All right, so she had it 18 years and was bowed together and could in no wise lift up herself. So we got to understand, this is a physical condition that people can go through. I don't know if you've ever seen it. Some people are hunchbacked and they just, you know, they can't lift themselves up. And it's not from old age. It's just, I believe it's a spirit of infirmity. But we've got to understand that if this is a spirit of infirmity, and we're talking about a spirit of heaviness, this thing was trying to keep her from uplifting and praising. Think about that. A spirit of infirmity can bend you over because it does. It wants you looking toward the ground and not upward. Mm -hmm. So we got to understand how this spirit works. So then he says, so she, she could in no wise lift up herself. And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said unto her, Woman, thou art loosed from thy infirmity. So what do we see here? In seven words, seven representing the spirit, this woman was loosed from her infirmity and was delivered. And he laid his hands on her and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. So what do we look at? Her ways were made straight. She was looking toward the ground from her disease. She was also unable to uplift her head unto the Lord. What did the Lord command her to do? Woman, come unto me. Draw close to me. If you draw close to God, he will draw close to you. So as he, she came unto him in seven words, that number seven, the spirit made her whole. So God is all we need. You know, I want to go to John 5 real quick too. John 5, I just want to make this point. And, uh, and Luke 11, and I should be done. John chapter 5.
So, you know, I mean, there might be people that may hear this and may say, you know, do you have any other solutions? I have no other answer. The answer is Christ. You draw nigh to him, he draw nigh to you, and your problems are done. All right. This is uh, John 5 and verse 1. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem, and there at there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in Hebrew tongue Bethsaida, or Bethesda, sorry, um, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. So as you can see, you got people that are going through all types of things, all types of infirmity here, all things that would bring upon a spirit of heaviness, but they're waiting for the move of the water at this pool. Now, water is another description of the Holy Ghost. Remember, Jesus said, if you be of me, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first after the troubling of the water stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man was there which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. So thirty-eight years this man was like this. When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he said unto him, Will thou be made whole? What do you have there? Five words. What is five? Always a number for grace. So God is extending his grace unto him. Jesus said, will you be made whole? The impotent man answered him, sir, I have, I have no man. When the water is troubled to put me into the pool, but while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. Jesus saith unto him, rise, take up thy bed and walk. There's the number seven again in the spirit. So what is he saying? You don't have any problems if you be in me. If you accept the grace that I extend unto you, you are in me. So what does he tell him? Now take advantage over your situation. So before the bed had him, now he's got the bed and he's walking. But not just walking, walking with Jesus. So you understand when you draw close to him, he defeats every situation that you've got in your life. And you don't, you know... Go ahead, Sarah. She's got something. Five and the seven makes twelve. Five and seven makes twelve. That's a good example too. Yeah, that's government. Perfect government. The grace and the spirit. So that means five and twelve. Oh yeah, because five is grace, seven is the spirit, mm -hmm. and twelve words he spoke, mm -hmm. and the man was healed. That is awesome, Sarah. She's in the counting all this stuff and everything. But... I've been seeing five and seven for the past two months. Wow. That man, his government is coming upon you. You're either going to get more of his spirit and, his, and you know, and more, that's I guess. I wow. That's there awesome. You, you see 12s a lot or number fives and sevens? 57. All day long. In fact, even when I, so that was 2017. In 2018, mm -hmm. I've been seeing 58. And uh, even when I came here for the first time last week, a man offered me his parking spot. And it was in the parking spot number 58. Wow. I'm parked there right now. <laughs> wow, that's awesome, man. That's so awesome. I think five and seven for me, man. Uh, through grace, perfection. So it's like what 
Jesus did through, Jesus, through God's grace, Jesus bring perfection. For That's me. right. And we I get never quit. Mm-hmm. I never added them up to me 12. Either. I blew my mind. <laughs> no, I just thought about that. That's true. Because God's remember, grace. he did the same thing in the wilderness. They had five loaves, two fishes. That was that was seven. But remember, they had twelve baskets full after he did that, which yeah. is another symbol of the government of God. Because there's enough for everybody, because there's twelve disciples, and too. and more than enough to spare. Yeah. So God will see to it that you never are without, man. It's a it's a good uh, rabbit. It is. It is. And this is nine. And immediately the man was made whole. See. And took up his bed and walked. And the same day was the Sabbath. Uh, the Jews, huh? Nine is uh, what do you call it? Finality. That's why when you find the um, gifts, yeah, and you get the gifts of the um, spirit, or which are nine, and you get the nine fruit of the spirit. So finality is like to be complete. Well, where did you see a nine at? Oh, verse nine. Oh, yeah, he was immediately made whole. So I mean, you know, that just tells you that how awesome God is. And, you know, you read later in this chapter, this man said, you know, um, that he was made whole. He said, hey, all I know is I was blind, and now I see. He said, stop trying you to know, complicate Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And he gave the glory to the Lord. So right. whenever we suffer or we struggle, let's uplift him. Luke 11, and I'm sure I'll be done. Spirit, you know, I don't do myself that way. That's awesome. (laughs) All right, we'll start at verse 14. This is Luke 11 and verse 14. And it says, And he was casting out a devil, and it was dumb. And it came to pass when the devil was going out, the dumb spake, and the people wondered. So deafness can even be a spirit, you know, at verse 15. But some of them said he casteth out devils through Beelzebub, the chief of the devils, and others tempting him sought um, sought of him a sign from heaven. But he, knowing their thoughts, said unto them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and a house divided against a house falleth. If Satan also be divided against himself, how shall his kingdom stand? Because ye say that I cast out devils through Beelzebub. Beelzebub means Lord of the Flies or Lord of the Dunghill. So they were calling Jesus pretty much Satan. Mm -hmm. Verse uh, 19. And if I by Beelzebub cast out devils, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore shall they be your judges. But if I with the finger of God cast out devils, no doubt the kingdom... I mean, but if I with the finger of God cast out devils... Uh, No doubt the kingdom of God is come upon you. When a strong man armed keepeth his palace, his goods are in peace. But when a stronger than he shall come upon him and overcome him, uh, he taketh from him all his armor wherein he trusted and divideth his spoils. So what do we have to understand? Um, I'm still, I got to find that teaching the strong man, but... 
we got to understand that the spirit of heaviness even has relatives. The spirit of heaviness is even a strong man where it's one of those demons that will try and, and influence you in many different ways. I was going to find here what this thing is, but as you can see, this thing is not one to want to let you go. This thing will fight you for supremacy. So we've got to understand, but this is uh, this is called the Spirit of Heaviness and its Cousins by Tiffany, what's her name, Tiffany uh, Kamini. She wrote a book on it, so you might want to look her up. It's Tiffany, K-A-M-E-N-I, and it's, uh, it's called the Spirit of Heaviness and its Cousins. All right, so one of the cousins is depression. Another one is lust. Another one is antichrist. Another one is poverty. Another is uh, perversion. Uh, another is gluttony, greed. And um, another is murder. And then there's whoredom. Now, you know, when people are lusting, a lot of the times what drives a person's lust is they're missing out on something else in their lives. You know, so if I don't have certain things to fill that void in me, I'll compensate with them for another. So you see perversion, we did a teaching on that, but gluttony. How many people have, have said to you and you've heard, when I'm depressed, I like to eat? Mm -hmm. You know, that's a spirit of gluttony, how it'll just look for other ways to appease itself, but it won't use the Lord. Murder. There are a lot of people depressed. They just want to kill people. I mean, that this is true. Yeah. Also, not preaching the gospel to people like the Bible says in John 3 is a type of murder because you're watching someone damned to hell, but because you're interested in you, you can care less about them. You're cold to it. Exactly. Yeah, that's not right. And when he says whoredom, that's like idolatry, which is also, you know, I'm going to look for other means to appease myself. And this is how we find other gods. Why? Because we don't love the Lord our God with all of our hearts, all of our souls and minds. So the point that I wanted to bring up with this verse is that he's saying that this thing is a strong man. Not just the spirit of heaviness, any type of demon spirit or unclean spirit. Mm -hmm. It's going to come upon you strong and it's going to fight to keep its place. But he says when a stronger than he comes upon him Amen. that these people that that um he will take everything in that house and break it down so that's stronger than he is no doubt christ and that's why we need the holy ghost but he says he that is not with me is against me he that gathereth not with me scattereth so we got to understand that maybe we're allowing other things inside that is allowing this demon spirit or this strong man to get in so we got to know what those things are, the things that oppose God. Why? Because if God is for you and you're on his side, then the devil has no way in. But if we're jumping back and forth, trying to figure out how to appease ourselves in the flesh and in the spirit, that's where in many cases we find out trouble. And Jesus said, there's no middle ground. You're either with me or you're not. Look at verse 24. When the unclean spirit has gone out of a man... He walketh through dry places, seeking rest and finding none. He saith, I will return unto my house whence I came out. So as you can see that this enemy even considers you his house. Mm -hmm. He feels like he's got a right to be here through whatever means. Hey, this is mine. And if he's been cast out, he doesn't just go away completely. He'll start looking around, looking for openings. Okay, I'm in this house. I don't see Jesus. I don't see any praise and worship. I don't see the Holy Ghost. I see no time with God. 
So now here's my chance. So as you can see, it's a fight that we've got to keep this armor. So he says, and when he cometh, he findeth it swept and garnished. He goeth, he, I mean, then goeth he and taketh to him seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter in and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. So what we ought to do is wear that armor. We've got to keep it on because the enemy will double back. He will circle back. Remember, even after Jesus had his experience in the wilderness, what happened next? What did, they, what did the Bible say? It said that the devil leaveth him for a season. He didn't say the devil never bothered him again. He leaves for a season. But if he can find, you know, oh, well, they're not as strong in the Lord as they used to be, then he's going to try and come back in. But not alone. He's going to bring reinforcements. And that's why when we get delivered from a thing, we have to stay right with Christ. Because if not, the second state, you'll be fighting off more than what you've already had. You might have had an issue of heaviness. Now it's lust. Now it's gluttony. Now it's whoredom. Now it's murder. You know, you're dealing with so many different things. So we truly got to wear that armor and uplift the Lord. And if anybody's caught up in this thing, I'm telling you, I have just given you the solution, not just for the spirit of heaviness, but for everything that you're going through in your life. Right. Because Jesus Christ came to bind the broken heart, set the captives free, heal them that are bruised, and preach the acceptable year of the Lord. What a God that we serve. Yeah, go ahead, Sarah. So. Um, and another thing is that if you think about it, um, he tried to speak through Peter when he said he, that, he, that the Son of Man must be crucified. He tried to speak through Peter saying that uh, far be it from thee, Lord, that these things, and he had to rebuke it out of him. Mm -hmm. Then when he went to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray, the spirit of heaviness was on his disciples that went with him. Mm -hmm. And after the third time, he realized it's like, okay, well, this journey is mine to do alone. Mm -hmm. That's and right. So it's like, you're right. If we were supposed to be the example of Jesus Christ, we have to understand that there are going to be many times when we're alone. You know, mm -hmm. it's just going to be us and the Lord in our in our journey. And it should be like that anyways when we have our own personal time with him. Yeah. But just having that understanding that if we're out there to do the Lord's will, Satan is attacking us every single no, that that's so true. And I mean, I think that one reason why I love that the Lord had put me in the ministry because, you know, in the world, I was a pretty um, popular guy. You know, like I had the favor of a lot of people and I lived like the devil. But, you know, coming into the ministry, I don't know if anybody's ever felt this that's involved in ministry, but you you get betrayed more than you actually than you realize man you know you can only be there to help people and people will find you as their enemy mm -hmm. you know one day they could leave here with the holy ghost and they come back in here with a spirit from the world and you've got to combat that just because you want that person to come back under the truth so you endure so much when you're in this for Christ that Jesus gives you a heart after him to recognize what he is going through or what we're even doing to him. Mm -hmm. So it does give you more understanding to really push him up. And I'm thankful for these. Mm -hmm. There have been many days, man, it's just been Sarah and I in here. I've been by myself or, mm -hmm. you know, you reach out to brethren and people get mad at you for whatever reasons. But this is all a part of the way that we do the Lord. So when you think about it, we have no problems. We do so many things to ourselves and to other people that God is trying to give you a taste of 
what you do to me. And that's why for those who are in Christ, they are called, they are chosen, and they are faithful. Amen. So regardless of what we see, regardless of what we feel, we have to remain faithful to the cause that God gave us. Many days you're not going to feel like doing this. Many days you're going to be hurt. Many days you're going to be betrayed. But you know what? We do it to him. So he gives us this chance to make us more like him that we might receive him. But I'm telling you, pastors, preachers, and teachers, and people in ministry, they're some of the most unappreciated people that there are. But that's good because we're ministers of Christ. The more you die out to you, the more that Jesus can be uplifted and you can understand him. Man, you don't have any problems. You think you got problems, but you don't have any problems. Jesus endured them all. So give it to him, and he will do what is necessary. So I just want to say with that, you know, for listeners, everyone present, I love you. And let's lift up Jesus and wear that garment of praise, which is Jesus, to combat the spirit of heaviness. That's great. All right, I'll have everyone go to Psalm 37 and verse 7. Psalm 37 and verse 7. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. And that couldn't be a very, <laughs> or ever more truer saying than that. Mm-hmm. So in other words, we are to rest in the Lord, we are to wait on him, and when evil people seems like they're getting ahead in life or it just seems like, oh, they're doing all this stuff, but they're making a way, we're not supposed to fret over those things. Amen. Verse 8, cease from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil. For evil doers shall be cut off. But those that wait upon the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. So Lord's telling us, we see all this stuff going on around us. It seems like the wicked and the unjust man is getting ahead, and it seems like all this craziness is going on. But if we have the Lord, then there's that calmness, there's that peace. But I know that on a day-to-day basis, even at work, the devil tries to get me caught up with stuff that it just doesn't matter. And it is a battle every day to stay focused on the Lord and his plan for us because the devil's constantly trying to take us away from it. Verse 10, For yet a little while, and the wicked shall not be. Yea, they shall diligently consider his place, and it shall not be. But the meek shall inherit the earth, and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. The wicked plotteth against the just, and gnashes upon him with his teeth. The Lord shall laugh at him. Alright, so here it is too. The Lord laughs. The Lord shall laugh at him, for he seeth that this day that his day is coming. So again, when it seems like the, the wicked is, you know, we're getting persecuted and, and everything like that, this is why our trust has to be in the Lord, because he laughs at all this, he laughs at all this stuff going on in the earth and everything, and he has his people, and I think that more and more today, he is waking up his people. Everyone called according to his purpose 
He wants to separate us out. And that's why it's like, I get kind of an agony when I have to go to work every day because it just, it's, it's, it is a heaviness. I think that it does put a spirit of heaviness on us when we're having to deal with that nine to five and all the worldliness and everything. And we're wanting to be set apart for the Lord. Verse 14, the wicked have drawn out the sword and have bent their bow to cast down the poor and needy and to slay such as be upright, uh, be of upright conversation. Their sword, their sword shall enter into their own heart, and their bows shall be broken. A little that a righteous man hath is better than the riches of the wicked. For the arms of the wicked shall be broken, but the Lord upholdeth the righteous. So everything that the enemy's plotting against uh, the people of the Lord, everything that he, all the people that he's using to set up against the Lord and to set against his people, that's all going to backfire on them. Mm-hmm. We just have to continue and to, do, and to do the Lord's will. And I'm speaking to myself with this too. It's a daily battle, mm-hmm. and it's just trusting in him. And it's just like when he gives us that new song, to smile and to have the joy and to be able to tell others so his light does shine, mm-hmm. literally shines through to other people. Mm-hmm. So that's what I have. Brother said, you mind praying? Yeah. 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 Well, we just release, Father, anything that we've held on, Lord, this time, Father, of revelation, God. We lay down everything that holds us back from your freedom, God, yes. and what you did on the cross, Lord. Yes. Lord, by your stripes we are healed, Lord, and we believe, Father, that a strong, aggressive man has came into our life and freed us from our captives. So, Lord, we submit to that, Lord, and we just we we worship you, Father, and we ask you to establish new vessels and new new riches in our life, in our heart, in our inner man, God. As Paul said, it's better to. Uh, to work out your spiritual man than your physical man, Lord. So yes, we Lord just Jesus. we submit our physical man to you, Lord, and ask you to do a good work, you, and establish your kingdom in our hearts and our in our households, in our minds, in our in our in our uh, in our places that we just we dwell, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We pray that you are in full control, Father. And we submit to you in that. Yes, Jesus. Jesus' name, I Jesus. pray. Jesus name. Amen. 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 Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.